Welcome to Graceful Stories. I'm your host, Heather Fowler. You know, a few years ago, I authored a book called The Warrior. I wrote the book after my family went through a difficult event. About a week after the event, I went to church and heard a sermon on Psalm 3. That sermon changed the trajectory of my life. That same day, I started learning how to deal with my pain and worry through the grace and presence of God. Those lessons are the warrior. You know, I feel like I became a warrior through, not just despite my difficult time. After I published the book, I started going through it with family and friends, and they told me their stories. I was blown away. Their stories are filled with so much grace and strength, lessons learned in the presence of God. I've learned so much from these stories that I decided others needed to hear them, learn from them, and start letting Jesus help them become a warrior too. These are their graceful stories. Welcome to Graceful Stories, and welcome to the very first episode of Graceful Stories. I am Heather, and I'm so very glad you're here. You know, we are going to do something, I believe, very different on this podcast. We are going to do two episodes a month, and every episode is going to feature a guest speaker, and we are going to get to hear their story, something that they went through that was difficult, for lack of a better term, was yucky. (laughs) And they are going to tell us their story and we're gonna sit back and listen. After the story, I'm gonna ask some questions about where did they see God in that situation? What did people in their lives do that maybe wasn't helpful? And then what were some things that people did that was extremely helpful and very much appreciated? I think what we're going to see is that there are three different groups of people that are going to be listening to this podcast. One is you're going to find yourself in the camp of, oh my goodness gracious, I've lived that. That's also my story. If you are part of that group, I just want to encourage you and love on you and tell you, keep listening. I think what you're going to hear is that you're not alone. You're going to get to hear the strength of someone who has walked through the valley and now they're at the banquet table with Jesus and they're really experiencing and have experienced through their difficult event, the power and the love and the strength of Christ. And so keep listening. I really hope you get something out of it. If you have one takeaway that you can take into your life through this story, then this podcast is completely worth my time. Now, the next group of people that are going to be listening to this is someone who goes, my mother went through this. Now I get it. My best friend went through this. Oh my goodness, I didn't understand it. Or my work colleague did this. How can I help? I think if you have a friend or a family member, just someone you care about who has gone through something similar to the stories you are going to hear, through that, you're going to know how to help, what to say, what to do, And then what not to say and do. In hearing people's stories and getting ready for this podcast, I have been blown away at how much I've learned about, because I'll just tell someone I'm going to do this. And then I'll remember, oh, 
they have that big moment in their life. And I'll ask them if they would like to be on the guest list. And very quickly, they'll recap their story. And then they'll start telling me and answering those questions that I told you we were going to ask. We're going to ask some amazing questions about where God was and what to say and what not to say. And people will start telling me, you are in for a treat and you are in for some awesome learning. So here we go with our very first graceful story. So every week, well, every two weeks, because I'm going to do this twice a month, I am going to introduce the guest speaker. So the guest speaker today became a Christian when she was 23. She really enjoyed Christianity, but didn't have a real to the bottom of her soul relationship with Jesus until three years later. She was married to her best friend and they had a wonderful relationship, a wonderful marriage. And she had an experience where she really realized that her relationship with Christ wasn't everything that she needed it needed to be. And so she rededicated her life to Christ. And that's when things took off. Her and her husband started a marriage ministry and started working with couples that were going through challenges in their life, as well as pre-married couples who have the stars in their eyes. Her and her husband wrote a marriage curriculum. And then an event happened that changed the trajectory of our, her life. And that is what we're here to talk about today. If you have not guessed it, I am the first guest of this podcast. And so I thought it would be great for you to hear my story and how this podcast came about and how my life changed because of this story. So it starts on December 29th, 2015. My family is a family of four. So there's me and my husband and our older daughter and my younger son, Colin. My son, Colin, was a sophomore in high school and my daughter was a senior in high school and we just knew life was about to change. This was Obviously, it's in December, late December, so this was over Christmas break from school, and we just knew that our daughter had her heart set on going out of state to school, so we knew that Christmas break, she was going to be home for Christmas break, but we just knew things were going to be different. So my husband came up with the idea of, let's just use all our frequent flyer tickets and all of our hotel stay points and put it all into a trip to Chicago. And so we did, and we planned on staying for four nights, and we were going to eat our way through the wonderful city of Chicago. And so we did. We got there, and we had so much fun. It rained the entire time. And we live in the desert southwest, and so we didn't even own rain boots. But we ran into the very first store we could find, and we all bought rain boots because it was so, so soaking wet through that rain, just a regular Chicago rainstorm that was also trying to be a snowstorm, which was gorgeous. So we ate Chicago pizza and we had 
a steak dinner that was wonderful and we had hot dogs the next night and we just had so much fun. And we would get back to the hotel room exhausted, but we would play games, card games and watch movies, all four of us. And that we had two hotel rooms, one for us as a husband and wife, one for the kids. And we just, we had a ball. Well, the last night of the trip, our son, started to say that his stomach wasn't feeling great. And you have to know that that is a little bit tricky for us because our son deals with a disorder called epilepsy. And when you have an upset stomach or goodness gracious, you start vomiting or that kind of thing, it really can be the perfect storm to a seizure. And we knew that. And so we kind of took it easy and we were in our hotel room in no time and we just put our feet up and we were playing a card game. And all of a sudden my son jumped up and ran to the bathroom. And we heard what was happening in the bathroom. He was vomiting. And so it scared us. And I looked at my husband and I said, if that happens again, we're taking him to the emergency room. You know, because every once in a while, it can just be an exciting experience and you throw up and it's done and you're handled and and it doesn't come back. But for my son, he did throw up again. And so we started looking for the closest hospital. Well, lo and behold, our, our hospital was really right across the street. So we went across the street and we got our name signed in to the, it wasn't an urgent care, it was an emergency room. But this really was, it's not for our son, it's not just vomiting. This has all sorts of repercussions involved. So we went to the sign-in, checked in, and then we finally got to go back to the trauma unit, you know, where they decide where on the emergency list you're going to be. Well, we explained the difficulty of someone throwing up with epilepsy to the attendant. And it was a young man, probably late 20s, really nice guy. And I could tell his motor was running. He was trying to figure out how to get us up in the list for just vomiting. And it was so sweet. He was really trying to be kind to us. And he said, let's just get an IV in you because you probably are a little dehydrated and this will help you start to get rehydrated even before you get back. And so he started putting the IV into Colin's arm and Colin passed out because of the IV insertion having nothing to do with the epilepsy or the vomiting. Well, probably had a little to do with the vomiting. So Colin passed out and guess what that did? That shot us right to the top of the list of who gets to go into rooms. So within no time, we were back in a room and they were doing checks and balances and rechecks. And it was a teaching hospital. It was part of the Northwestern system. And so lots of students coming in and it was very noisy. So let me explain. About now, it's probably 11 o'clock at night. So Colin has very important nighttime medication that he's supposed to take. And I was holding it because I didn't want him to throw the medicine up. And so I kept trying to figure out when do we give the medication? And when do we do all this? And how do we get the vomiting to stop? And how do we get him rehydrated? And my mind was going a million miles an hour. And I was trying so hard 
to fix this. And it was a situation that was not fixable. And that was really difficult for me. So it had finally been a couple hours and at about 1 a.m. it had been a few hours and a really sweet attendant came in and said, it looks like you're doing pretty well. Here, have the doctor wants you to eat part of this turkey sandwich to make sure it stays down and that you're done throwing up. Okay, mom's out there. You know when that bell rings really loud and it's that mom bell that says, alert, alert, stop, don't do it. Well, that was going off in spades and I ignored it. And I thought, well, these people know what they're doing. They're doctors. And they did, they did. But my mom's sense was saying, do not give that boy that, that turkey sandwich. But he did. And he ate it. And he started throwing up again. And finally, a couple hours later, so we're about at 3 a.m., nothing had happened for about 45 minutes. And my husband and I made the decision that we were leaving and we were going to go back to the hotel. See, we were supposed to leave the next morning to go back home. And so we got Colin to our hotel room and Alan and Mackenzie stayed in one room because my mommy sense needed to watch my boy. And I don't care how long you've been a mom. If you have been a mom for three months or 50 years, you know what it's like when your kiddo is having trouble. I stayed in a chair watching my son sleep for those six hours because it was almost as if by watching him, I could stop it all and I could make it all better. And obviously, because of this story, you'll realize it didn't. So our plane flight was supposed to take off at a bit, I believe, 8.30 in the morning. And so at 7, we got up and we threw things in suitcases. And I was in the bathroom of the hotel room bathroom, throwing my toiletries in my bag. And I heard this voice that said, stay there, stay here, let him sleep, stay here, let him sleep. And I ignored it because I needed all I could hear myself say in my heart was get home, get home, get home, get home. It's going to solve everything if we can get home. So at the very last minute, we let Colin wake up because one of the things is you have to have for epilepsy is you have to have a full night's sleep. You have to have about seven or eight hours of sleep. If you don't, especially after your body has gone through trauma, you really are probably looking at a seizure. So we wanted Colin to get the most sleep he possibly could. So we called an Uber and we got Colin awake and we literally cared, carried him nearly to the Uber and put him in the car and had him go back to sleep. We got to the, ho- to the airport and halfway to our gate, I started to see the tall tale signs of an absence seizure. An absence seizure means that Colin can completely uh, operate. He can completely communicate with some trouble, but he can communicate and he can operate, but he looks very sleepy. 
And so I tried to talk myself out of it because of course he's sleepy. He got home from the hospital at 3 a.m. and it's now eight o'clock and of course he's sleepy. So I tried to ignore it and we got to our gate and my daughter and I sat in a chair and we had my son lay down in front of my daughter and I and I put my coat over him and my husband went and got some coffee. I looked at my daughter and was saying something to her and I heard a noise and I looked back at Colin and he was having a grand mal seizure. I cannot tell you what that feels like. I don't care that we have been dealing with this since he was in second grade. When your child is having a seizure, that is just about the closest they will ever come to death without dying. And 50,000 people die a year from sudden death in epilepsy. And so we don't know. So we turned around to Colin, saw him seizing, and it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. So I looked over and I told my daughter, go grab your dad. So she tears off running, going to grab her dad. And all I could think of was cover my son, cover my son, because everybody at the gate was staring at my son. And I turned around to the other side of me, to the other chair, and the man who was sitting in the chair beside me was just mesmerized, studying and staring at my child. And I don't blame him because a lot of people have never seen a seizure and it's kind of scary when you do. But I looked at him and I said, go get help, (laughs) a total stranger. So he did. And before I knew it, I looked up at my daughter and she was on the phone with her sweet best friend praying. And my husband was running toward us. And there were two people who were kneeling right beside my son and saying they were doctors. And then there was this beautiful woman who was right beside me and she was holding my hand and patting my hand just so sweetly and so softly. And she was sticking Kleenexes into my hand and she looked over at me and she nearly whispered, I'm here for you. It was the sweetest thing. Well, before you knew it, the people, the EMTs came and the people from the airline came and my daughter and I and my son were on a gurney on the place where the, the, where the airplanes go, the, the airplane runway in an ambulance. And my, son, my husband waited to get our bags. Well, what I didn't know was that the airlines allowed him to go in the back where the workers go to point to the air to point to our suitcases because all our money was in the suitcases <laughs> so we had to have the money for what was going to be an extended stay for sure so we got to the airport we got to the hospital our second hospital in 24 hours and our second hospital in 8 hours and we had a wonderful experience All sorts of things happened right, and we did get home, and Colin is fine today. But I got home, and when I got home, I was kind of mad at God. 
I remember thinking, God, why in the world did you let this happen? This was supposed to be a wonderful little trip for our family. I'm in ministry. I work nearly full-time for you. Why would you allow this to happen? I just, because that was going to change things for Colin for quite some time, and I knew it, and it hurt my heart to watch my child go through that, and I was just so upset, and I just, I, I dug myself a hole, and I jumped down into it and sat there, and I sat there for about a week, and about a week later, well, a little less than a week later, God kind of tapped me on, on the shoulder. It wasn't a literal tap, but for me, it might as well have been. He, he just kind of tapped me on the shoulder, and I remember feeling the words. And I, I wonder how many people will understand that. Not hearing the words, but feeling the words. Are you finished yet? And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, I'd like to show you my side. I, I, I really felt like God was wanting me to see the situation differently. And I did. I'm, I'm going to tell you about that in just a second. And that view, God's view of how things went, oh my gosh, it opened up my eyes more than anything I've ever experienced. And then I went to church that a couple days later, and our pastor was doing a sermon on Psalm 3, which completely went through my experience from the last week and a half. And I started right then and there writing lessons down as I was learning them that later became my book, The Warrior. So that is my story. Now, in, my, in the podcast, what I'm going to say next is I'm going to ask the guest, where did you see God in the story? And oh, I can't wait to tell you where I saw God in my story. Do you remember I told you my son was starting to vomit and we had to take him to an emergency room and we had to find one? So God, very sweetly, as I'm sitting there in the hole that I had dug for myself six days after, the, after we got home from this entire event, he showed me, Heather, the hospital was literally 20 steps from our hotel room. 20 steps. So we get to the hotel, we get to the hospital quickly without having to look for one. And then we get to the little trauma room. And instead of having to spend most of the night in the waiting room, what happened? Oh, sweet Jesus, Colin fainted. Yeah, he fainted, which sprung us up to the front of the list to get a hotel, a hospital. I keep saying hotel, it really wasn't a hotel. It was very nice, but it was not a hotel. But anyway, the hospital bed. And then what happened? at the hotel. And I remember being in that bathroom. And I remember looking at myself while I'm literally throwing my toiletries in a bag so that we can get to the airport. And I remember hearing the words, just stay here. Let him sleep. Just stay here. Just let him sleep. 
And I got the warmest love feeling. God, I think, was telling me that it was okay to just stay and let him sleep and let him sleep this off. Oh, goodness. But that's not where the wonderful God presence ends. God brought Mackenzie my daughter being able to get a hold of her best friend and having her best friend be a believer. And so her best friend could lead the two of them in prayer over my son and for Mackenzie. My, those two doctors came out of nowhere to help Colin. And then you remember in the story, that sweet lady who said that she was here for me and who but my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would know that I desperately needed someone there for me. Ugh. Folks, that was my story. And you know, in the next few weeks, you are going to hear some really earth-shattering stories. But one thing I've learned through writing The Warrior and through going through the book with all sorts of people and hearing everyone's story when they get through the book is that my story belongs to me. And my child did not pass away. My child is a very happy, healthy, 22-year-old man in his senior year in college now. And so I have a lot to be thankful for. But this story belongs to me, and I get to have this story. So if you have an earth-shattering story, bless you and bless your heart, and I'm praying for you. If you have nothing giant that's happened in your life, but you have a couple bumps in the road, those bumps in the road are okay to use to be the warrior that Jesus wants you to be. Your story doesn't have to be earth-shattering. And I think someone who has an earth-shattering story would agree with me. <laughs> so the other two questions that I'm going to ask all guests is, one, what did people do that maybe wasn't as helpful? You know, I think my answer to that would be that I tend to come across very self-reliant. I come across as someone who kind of knows what's going on and how things work. I like to be the person who is the mom of an epileptic son who always trusts God, who always knows where to put my faith. And I think because of what I have tried to portray, so it's my own, my own thing that I have to own, not a lot of people came out of the woodwork to help. And not a lot of people came out of the woodwork just to be sad with me. And I would have liked that. If you have a friend who has a child with an illness and the, the illness has resurfaced, I would say, just be there. Because you know what? That's the next question. The last question I'm going to ask people. 
I'm going to ask them, what did people do that was awesome? You know, one of the people called me while we were still in Chicago and she did not offer to bring food. She told me she was going to bring food. Her exact words were, I'm bringing dinner the night you get home. When do you get home? I didn't have to say, oh, no, 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 that's okay. I didn't have to say that. I said, oh, we get home Monday. And she said, okay, I will be there at 5.30. If you do not want to talk, I will ring the doorbell and leave. Oh, my goodness. That friend, that goes down as one of the most helpful, sweet, kind things that anybody did through that situation. The other thing that happened is I have a beautiful adopted daughter and she has an adopt a a baby girl and it was her baby's first birthday. And I was, of course, as sort of the adopted grandma, my name's Gigi. I was invited, of course, to the first birthday party. Well, it was the day after we got home. And so I was trying to pump myself up. I'm good. I can do this. I can do this. And I got to the little birthday party. I put the present down where the presents go. I went to the family and I put my hand on them and I said, I'm not sure how long I'm going to stay, but I just wanted to say hi and give my little sweet granddaughter a hug and she looked up at me and she said are you okay those words got the waterworks starting (laughs) and then another woman jumped up who had never met me and came around to where i was and wrapped her arms around me and hugged me with the most fierce hug that a mom that understands what it means to hurt can give another mom who's hurting. That was one of the biggest, most powerful hugs I have ever been given. Those are my two things that were helpful. I would just say, if you know someone who's going through a hurt with their child, don't offer to help. Help. Just do it. Hug where hugs are needed. Give love where love is needed. That's what helped me. And that is my graceful story. Thank you for joining us for Graceful Stories, where we get the opportunity to see the grace of our heavenly dad in the real stories of our guests. If you have any questions or would like to share your story, message us. We'll get right back with you. You know, if you liked what you heard today, please subscribe so that you never miss a story. And stay tuned next time where you are going to hear the other side of my story. My son will be here to tell us all about how he has learned to live with his disorder and how it's really made him stronger, not only emotionally, but in his relationship with Jesus. So until next time, my friends, put your faith in Jesus because God's got this.